Well, last Friday night, Austin started this series on friendship. Is that correct? You got it. Okay, I got it right. And um, he's assigned me a very unusual subject to speak on tonight, and I've wondered why he asked me to speak on this, but he's asked me to speak on bad friends. (laughs) Friends have a bad influence on you. So I, I have humbly accepted his rebuke, and uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I do have a passage, and I do have a message, and I know that God has something very specific to say to each and every one of us tonight, because God is always speaking through His Word, and the question is, are we listening? Uh, do we have ears to hear what the Spirit says through His Word? So what I want you to do is take your Bible... And turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to look tonight at verses 33 and 34. Now, when Austin asked me this, these are the verses that just first came to my mind, but they're going to require some explanation, so you need to, to hang with me, but verse 33 will sound very familiar to you. So back there in the back, if you've got those verses, you could go ahead and put those up. There you go. There you go. All right. Beginning in verse 33, this is what Paul writes. He says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So in these verses, the Apostle Paul is addressing the reality of bad friends, of bad company that bring a bad influence upon your life. They may be fun to be with. Uh, they may be interesting and engaging. Uh, they may, you may have certain um, common interests. And so there are many different reasons why that would be someone I would spend time with. But if this person is bad company, then you need to put up a firewall between you and them because they're going to have an influence upon your life. We are influenced by others more than I think what any of us actually realize Tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are or who you're about to become. Your friends will either pull you up or they will pull you down. Your friends will either help you or hinder you. So you need to choose wisely who you let into your circle of relationships because they are rubbing off on you and some of them more than others. What is a good friend? A good friend is anyone who moves you closer to God. But a bad friend is anyone who moves you away from God and away from godliness. And that is the general idea behind these verses that that Paul writes. And I need to put these verses that I just read in their original context. The entire 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is all about the resurrection from the dead. And false teachers had come into the church at Corinth 
which was only about 35 miles away from Athens, which was the home of the academy and the great Greek philosophers, Plato and Aristotle and Seneca and the like. And they brought with them this notion that there would be no resurrection. They, they denied the body, and I don't need to go into all the different aspects of that, but it was infiltrating the church there in Corinth. It would be ultimately a denial of the resurrection of Christ. It would be a denial of the resurrection at the end of the age of every believer as well as every unbeliever. And so Paul must write this because these false teachers were accumulating some followers. And as you believe, so goes your behavior. And it was exerting a a bad influence upon the believers in the church at Corinth. And so Paul must write this that you need to wake up because bad company will corrupt your good morals. And this bad company are the false teachers, and they are also those who are following these false teachers. But it is from this, though, we we learn an invaluable lesson that, that you and I really need to take heed to, that like produces like. And either you will become like them or they will become like you. And if they are not becoming like you, then most likely you will be coming like them. And so bad company produces a bad influence on a good life. It's been well said, lay down with dogs and you'll wake up with fleas. I mean, there is an influence that, that is being cast. And so I need to ask you at the very beginning here, who, who are your friends? Who, who are your inner circle of friends? And you need to have friends. The Bible speaks positively of, of, of friends. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And he's called us as believers to be friends. And so that sets the example. You need to have friends. It's not good to be an island unto yourself. But are those friends a good influence or are they a bad influence? Well, we see in this passage that there is the possibility that there you could have some bad friends that could be like a millstone around your neck. So let's walk through this passage. I have four headings to set in front of you, and I just want to walk through it kind of phrase by phrase. We'll start at the beginning of verse 33. We'll end up at the end of verse 34, and and I want you to note first the caution. Notice how verse 33 begins. Paul must issue a warning to you and to me. He says, do not be deceived. Now, this is not the first time that Paul has said this in the book of 1 Corinthians. Earlier in chapter 3 and in verse 18, Paul has already issued this very same warning. He says, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. And what this is indicating to us is that the the believers in Corinth were easily deceived. And the reason is they were like children and they were, they were babes in Christ. 
And a babe doesn't know what it necessarily is doing. A little baby will stick its finger in an electrical socket, having no idea that the, <laughs> the impact that would have upon that baby's life. Or they'll go to a hot stove and it's red hot or orange glowing hot and just want to put their hand on it. You're acting like a child, less than a child. You're acting like a baby. And that's exactly how the Corinthians were. They were naive and gullible and unaware of the influence of other people upon their lives. And then later in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, uh, Paul says it again. He, He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards will inherit the kingdom of God. They, they were just very childish in their faith and that they, they would fall for things way too easily. You don't want to be like that. Uh, you, you really need to have discernment. And so this word deceived, you see it there at the beginning of verse 33, do not be deceived. This word literally means to cause to wander, to be led astray from God's will. And there were people in the church, in their circles of relationships, who were causing them to wander away from the very center of God's will for their lives. This is also an imperative command. Paul is commanding the believers, and he commands us tonight to to do not be misled. Do not be naive. Do not be ignorant. Do not be, to put it kind of rough, do not be stupid. Do not be unaware of the influence of others, of what they are having upon you. So Paul begins here with this caution, and, and this, is, this is like a red light. It's not even a flashing yellow light. This is a bright red light that should halt us in our tracks and go no further in the direction that he is addressing here, or there will be great harm that will come to your Christian life. So that's where Paul begins with the caution Now, notice second, the company. He says, bad company. Bad company corrupts good morals. This word bad has a wide range of meaning, but everything from just base and worthless to evil and wicked, even to harmful And the word company refers to an association with others, kind of your circle of companionship, people that you are close to and people who are close to you, um, who have close proximity to your life. You may sit together with them in school or in church. You may ride together in a car. Uh, You may go to a concert or a or to a movie together with them. Um, You may go to camp with them together, and you just end up sitting at their table, or you might be in the same cabin, and a relationship is forged, and 
they become a part of the company that's around you, but Paul acknowledges here that there are those who are bad company. They're in the church, but they're bad company. And this little phrase, bad company corrupts good morals, is actually a proverbial saying in the day. About 300 years before Christ came into the world, there, there, there was a Greek poet, a, a, a Greek playwriter named Menander, and he wrote a Greek comedy, and in that comedy, there was this line, bad company corrupts good morals, and it, it really just became a, a standard saying that was so universally true that even unbelievers saw the wisdom in this. Even unbelievers, this rang true with them. I mean, who would disagree with this, that bad company corrupts good morals, and it was such a common uh, saying that no doubt circulated even in Corinth that, that Paul just lists this saying out of the culture of the day. And he inserts it here into the Word of God because it is true that bad company corrupts good morals. And so as Paul originally wrote this, when he says bad company, it's referring to those who were denying or doubting the resurrection of Christ from the dead and denying the resurrection at the end of the age. And so the Corinthians were in danger of being deceived about some essential gospel truths, and they came under the spell of this unsound teaching. But Paul, as he, as he states this, for us, there is this same timeless principle as it relates to friends as it relates to being deceived by the fact that, well, these relationships with these other friends, it, it really won't hurt me. He or she is just so much fun. They, they've got the coolest car. They, they come from a home where I just love going over to their house. We have the best time. Uh, we like the same kind of music. Um, we like going to, the, to a ball game together. We like going to the beach together. Um, they're, they're just an upper for me, except, except that they don't know the Lord and except that they, their morals are totally different than yours. And so while you're laughing and having a great time with them, there is an influence that's being exerted upon your life, and pretty soon you find yourself laughing at what they laugh at. And pretty soon you find yourself really changing your perspective on, on different issues. And so here's the point. The cho your, your friends will either make you or break you. They will either spur you on to God or they will steer you away from Him. And a good friend, as I said earlier, will influence you to walk closer to God, but a bad friend will influence you in the opposite direction. So hear this. You need to choose your friends very wisely. 
not based upon just simply who happened to sit next to me or what we share in common, but you need to give careful thought as to what the wrong crowd might, the effect that they might have upon your life. I remember my father growing up used to say this to me, and I never really understood the full impact of it, but he would tell me on more than a few occasions, Stephen, I am so grateful for who your friends are. You know, it's been well said that you can tell a lot about a person by who their friends are and by what books they read. And so your friends are having really a ginormous influence upon your life, for better or for worse. And this goes way back centuries and centuries, back even to the time of Solomon when he wrote the book of Proverbs. I mean, these were just self-apparent observations of life. And in Proverbs 12 and verse 26... Solomon writes, the way of the wicked leads astray. And what that is saying is, is that those who are on the wicked way will pull you into the vortex and the vacuum of of their life and lead you astray. They can be like a powerful magnet that, that can get you in trouble, that you can get you off the track, can put you on a different path. And and before you even realize what all has happened, the way of the wicked leads astray. And then in Proverbs 16, in verse 28, we read, A perverse man spreads strife, a slanderer separates close friends. There are some people who are just busybodies. I mean, they just need to stick their nose into every little situation. They, they need to know what's going on in everyone else's life. And then once you make that information known to them, it becomes a pride thing for them that they can tell others that they know about what's going on in your life. And as they do that, they can put a spin on the ball that comes across in a totally different way than the way you made yourself known to them. And in the process, as this goes to someone else, and then it goes to someone else, and then it comes back to you, there, there is a, a breach of relationship that takes place. And there is a, a wedge that is driven between you and, a, and another friend because this other person couldn't keep their mouth shut. I mean, you say to them, you, you kind of open up and you say to them, Um, I really shouldn't be telling you this, but I'm going to, but don't tell anybody. Well, this is like, this is like solid gold for them. Please tell me more because they then will spread that around to others. That's not a good friend. That's a bad friend who ends up severing your friendships with other people. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, He who repeats a matter separates close friends. And this also says if you're going to be a good friend, you need to learn how to keep a secret. You you need to learn how to 
keep your mouth shut. I mean, there's a reason why you have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> and you, what someone shares with you in confidence, you, and they ask you to keep that to yourself, you, you need to keep that to yourself, or this is going to end up hurting someone. In Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four, the Bible says, Do not associate with a man given to anger. And to associate means to be a friend of or to be a companion of. You, you do not want a close friend who's given to anger, who, who blows up. And the word anger there means nostrils, which is almost like the flaring of the nostrils, like a bull ready to charge and, and gore another animal that someone who cannot exercise self-control over their emotions and is given to anger is, is someone who will do you much harm. So he says, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways. He's going to rub off on you and find a snare for yourself. I can think of a couple of examples just even in my own life. I, I was a Christian when I played football in college. I lived in the football dorm and ate in the football dining cafeteria and went to practice just about every day. And so I'm just with football players. And there's some pretty rough characters on a college football team that probably would never find themselves in a meeting like this tonight. And you hear a few cuss words. And the next thing you know, you know, I stub my toe or drop something on my foot, and those same words come out of me. It's like, where in the world did that come from? I've never said that before in my life. And it is the result of the environment in which I find myself and, and who my friends are. My college roommate was an All-American football player, and he played in the NFL. And he was the meanest guy on the entire football team. And I roomed with him for the last two years so that no one would ever pick a fight with me. <laughs> my roommate, as he would say, I'll snap their head off and spit down their throat. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all that's to say is, you know, I, I wasn't homeschooled, and I didn't grow, go to a Christian high school, and I didn't go to a Christian college, and I'm just hanging with football players, and I was in a fraternity when I was in college, and it was not exactly a tea party, and, and just some rough guys, and they can get pretty rough on the weekend, and so they have an influence on you. Now, I was an influence on them. I was the chaplain of the, of the, of the fraternity, which means I was the designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't understand that, you can ask some of the people around you <laughs> what, what that means. Um, but 
bad company. It, 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 it's like, it, it's like a, a germ that spreads from one person to another. It's just contagious. It's, it's going to spread. And so look what he says. He says it's, it corrupts good morals. The word corrupts is a very strong word, and it means to destroy, to tear down. It, it means to do great harm. In fact, but this very same word was used earlier in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 17, when Paul says, if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. It, it's a strong, aggressive word that, that if you inflict harm upon the local church, if you tear down and bring about serious division and devastation in a local church, God is going to tear you down because that's his bride, the church. It's a very strong word that, that, that is used here. And he says, bad company, bad friends, bad associations corrupts good morals. And good morals refer to a, a, a gracious manner of life, uh, kindness and graciousness. The word morals here is the only time it's used in the New Testament, and it's ethnos, which comes into the English language as ethics, just the manner of life, that it will have an effect on you. No one here tonight is Superman or Superwoman. It, it will have an effect, either small or great, but it will have an effect on you. And the influence of of, of of even just one person can greatly contaminate your life. Paul writes, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. And the Bible says that there is a fly in the ointment that ruins the whole ointment. Just, just a little fly ruins the entire bottle of precious ointment, and just one person in your, in your ear and in your head and in your life can bring about a devastating effect upon your life. And so that's why it's very important who you date. That's why it's very important who you really hang out with, because even one fly in the ointment can, can spoil the whole. And so as a result of that, in verse 34, Paul has to speak very strongly to the church at Corinth, and he speaks very strongly to us tonight. He says, become sober-minded. Do you see that in verse 34? He says, become sober-minded. And sober-minded here, I did a word study on, on this, and it means to return from a drunken state. Like you've become inebriated and you, you've lost your ability to be level-headed. You can't walk in a straight line. You begin to run your mouth. You have a false courage. 
And to become sober-minded, it's the word for drunkenness with a little preposition in front of it, meaning out of. And the idea is you come out of being drunk. But he doesn't mean literally drunk. He's using it metaphorically as your spiritual state. That it's like you've come under the sway and the influence of this bad company. And you've lost your powers of, of reasoning. You've been sucked in. And Paul now is this command. He, he is saying, in essence, you need to sober up. And you need to wake up. And you need to snap out of this. This, this, this almost like a trance that you're in, hanging out with this little circle of, of friends, you need to regain clear thinking about the effect they're having upon you. You didn't used to be like this. And now you're one of this little group. And so you need to come out of it. And as Paul says this, he is referring in the church at Corinth to, to these who are doubting or denying the resurrection, but the principle applies across the board in all your relationships. And so he's saying, you, you, your bad company is causing you to come under the spell of their lives as if you are mentally and morally drunk. And then he adds, as you ought, meaning it's the right thing for you to do, to become sober-minded. You, you need to regain being clear in your logical thinking about your life and you need to be with good company. And it doesn't mean we can't ever be with bad company, but they need to be your mission field. And you need to go into those circles with both guns loaded, gospel guns, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he adds, and stop sinning. Those are strong words. And it is sin for you to come under the influence of bad company and to be influenced by them and, and for you now to adopt their language and adopt their entertainment and to adopt their lifestyle and to adopt their priorities. Paul is saying, stop it. Stop the sinning. You, you're being sucked down the sewer. You're being pulled into what they stand for. And then he adds at the end of verse 34, he says, For some have no knowledge of God. So some of, the, of this bad company, they may show up at church or they may show up at a summer camp, but some of them have no knowledge of God. You know what that means? They don't know the Lord. They're unconverted. They're unsaved. And now you are being influenced by the devil's crowd, not God's crowd. 
So he says, I say this to your shame. Paul says, I, I, I say this to your embarrassment that you have allowed yourself to become really duped and conned and you're not even aware of what has taken place in your life, that you're not the person that you were six months ago. As you're now running in this other circle of, of people, and as you now have been plugged into a new network of relationships, it really unfortunately has pulled you into sin. And so, Paul really, with regret, but knowing he must speak the truth in love, he says, I say this to your shame. He says, somebody needs to tell you the truth. Somebody needs to, to speak into your life. And when someone is in a state like that, it, it really requires some strong words to get a hold of a person's attention. So, what, what does God have to say to you tonight from these verses? I've never preached on these verses other than when I preached through 1 Corinthians, but I never slowed down to these two verses and just a whole message on these two verses. And I've never been asked to preach a message entitled Bad Friends <laughs> by a good friend <laughs> or who was a good, <laughs> a good friend. Well, I think it should be pretty obvious what God is saying to you, that you need to find people who love God and who love Christ. And those need to be your best friends. And people who cause you to love God more, not less. And bad company is like playing with poison. Bad company is like playing with a revolver that has bullets in the chamber. Somebody's going to get hurt, and it's probably you. We need to share the gospel with people who would be in circles of bad company. We need to love them in Christ. We need to come alongside of them. But I would remind you that in Psalm 1, he says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. If you want to be blessed, you get away from people like that, unless that's your intention to reach them with, with the gospel, and you might even want to take a friend with you. So who are your friends? They, they may be sitting next to you tonight, and they may be some of the best Christians you know. Praise the Lord. They're, they're a gift from God that he has brought into your life for such a time as this. But if there are some other people, they may be in school, they may be uh, at work, 
They, they, they may be someone who live near you. They may be someone who you share sports with or music with or whatever. If they are not principled and if they are not following the Lord, be aware, bad company corrupts good morals. And here's the irony. Even unbelievers know this. <laughs> I mean, as Paul quotes this, he, he's not quoting the Old Testament. He's, he's not quoting the Mosaic Law. He's not quoting Proverbs. He's not quoting one of the prophets. He, he's quoting a, a Greek uh, uh, playwright who wrote a Greek comedy that was played, written for, and by an unbeliever. It's just a universal truth. If you're breathing, you know this is right. I mean, if you have two brain cells that are touching between your ears, which could be debated at times, but you, you know this is right. Even lost people know this is true. Yet how strange, sometimes Christians can be the most naive people and lack street smarts and lack common sense um, and fall prey to the devil who prowls about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour and sometimes he carries that out through a bad friend in your life. So how are you going to resist this? Well, you've got to have a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, who's more than a friend. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man, but He's also the friend of sinners. And you need Christ at the very center of your life to be your anchor point, to be the chief cornerstone of your life to build everything in your life upon Him and, and in Him. And He will keep you strong. And He will give you the grace to resist temptation. And He will give you the power to say no. When you're invited sometime to, to go off on some kind of activity and you just kind of hesitate and pause for a moment and you go, boy, I sure would like to hang out with that crowd. They're always so fun. Well, Christ will give you the discernment and Christ will give you the power to say no to that temptation and to walk away from it knowing that if you have Christ, you really have the only friend you really need because He will never disappoint you and He will never forsake you and He will bring the right kind of friends into your life. So, where are you with the Lord tonight? Is Christ at the very center of your life? Is He the, the, the anchor of your soul? Build your life upon Christ. Jesus said, He who hears these words of mine and acts upon them is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And when the rains came and the winds blew and beat against the house, it did not fall because it was built upon the rock. He who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them is like a very foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And when the rains came and the winds blew and beat against the house, great was its fall because it was built upon the sand. 
So what are you building your life upon tonight? Is it the rock of God's truth or is it the sand of worldly wisdom and worldly ways? If you build upon worldly ways, your life will come under destruction. But if you will build upon the rock of divine revelation and heavenly wisdom, your life will stand through any storm that will ever blow into your life. Well, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. The band will come back up, and then Austin and I will have um, a brief Q&A. Father, what a, in some ways, what an unusual subject for us to address tonight, but yet this is so practical. I mean, this is seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I mean, this is our lives. We, we, we don't live on an island. We, we live surrounded by masses of people, and many of whom are rub shoulders with us and are very close to us, and they have an effect upon us, and they pull us in a certain direction, and, and we want to be a part. We want to be a part of a group. We want to be a part of a crowd, and yet... Sometimes that crowd is not the most positive thing in our life. But yet, we're, we're naive, we're gullible. It's like our eyes are closed to the possible effect that would happen. And so, Lord, use this message tonight to be a wake-up call and to pull us out of our stupor and out of our almost like being drunk just being, losing our sense of bearing, sharpen our alertness in knowing how to protect access into our lives. We, we are very vulnerable, Father. We know this, to peer pressure and to the crowd and to the group around us. We ask, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.